this morning I will be speaking to us about um, what I titled the portrait of a true worshiper. <clears throat> and um, this is a this is a very foundational message. It's, it's foundational because I think the things that God wants to speak to us, you know, are the things that He wants to define us. He wants to project his identity and his image on us. He wants, he wants to show us so that we can have you know, the right pursuit, the right goal, the right um, expectation, you know, so that we can know very clearly what the Lord is expecting of us as his people. Um, one of the prayers I've been praying um, since we've started is that, Lord, I want to be truly different. We want to be truly different. Yaba, TGC Yaba Center should truly be different. And not just for the sake of it, but for the for the very purpose of touching the heart of God. I want this. I want, I, my, it's my desire, it's my prayer, and I believe it's God that put that desire in my heart. You know, that this place be a place that touches the heart of God. There will be a people that touches the heart of God. That every time we gather together and we bring our worship, we bring our devotion, you know, we exercise our commitment to the world and to this. When God looks at our lives individually, His heart is touched. His heart is touched. You know, and even though God will bless us, God will increase us, even though we're going to receive miracles, healings, and all the other things, but our pursuit is that we touch the heart of God. Is that we touch the heart of God. Is that we become a people sensitive to the heart of God. That we are so, we are so alert. We are so discerning. And um, our heart is ready to do the will of God. And that nothing stops us. Nothing stands in the way. Nothing, no, nothing distracts us. Nothing is too weighty. Nothing is weightier than us wanting to serve God and wanting to please God. I, I pray the Lord will bring us there. We are not there yet. I'm not there yet, but that's my prayer. That's the spiritual atmosphere that I'm trusting God that will have over this house. That every time anyone steps in here, there will just be that grace for alignment. The things that are weighty rises up, and the things that are not weighty, you know, fizzles out. That there will be that sense of acknowledgement of what the Lord's expectation is. And then that will now become the focus of our pursuit. Amen. That's my prayer. And I pray that the Lord will answer that in Jesus' name. And bring each and every one of us through the right discipline. Through the right process. Knocking down our idols. Knocking down strongholds. You know. And helping us to choose him every single day. Give me John chapter 4. Um, what, 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 does, what is the heart... What is the portrait? You know, the, the word portrait there, you could replace it with the heart of a true worshiper. What is the Lord? And the idea is we want to capture what's in the heart of God. We want to sort of look at what is the Lord seeking for? What is the Lord looking for when he is looking for a worshiper? Scripture says in um, you know, John 4, this verse, this um, passage, John 4, 24, that the Father is seeking is seeking that's 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 not a passive statement you know i can let me sort of visual visualize it this way it's like god is going from house to house sorry give me um give me is it 23 now 
you know, it's, it's like God is going from house to house or you know, this is Sunday morning he's going from church to church and he's looking for who is worshipping him in spirit and in truth so he goes to this assembly and you know and he calibrates their heart calibrates their sense of worship calibrates what they're doing in ways scripture says that the lord is a man looks upon the outward appearance he said but god does what looks upon the heart and that scripture says that it is the lord that weighs the reins of the heart he puts it on a scale and weighs it and then you know looks at what is this heart made of and when he finds longing for himself when he finds the passion for him when he finds that you know this heart when he has put the heart on the scale and finds that there is passion and hunger and thirst for me for righteousness in this heart then the lord has found a worshiper am i making sense then the lord has found a partner then the lord has found you know a comrade a companion because he's found someone who truly wants and desires him. So the father is seeking. The father is not difficult to reach. Am I making sense? You know, a lot of times we think we have to do so much before we're able to break through into the spirit. No, God is the one doing the work, trying to reach to us. Am I making sense this morning? It's the other way around. He's the one trying. He's the one seeking. He's the one longing. He's the one reaching out through his word, through his spirit. Trying to see whether a people will hear and turn. Whether a people will consider his presence or they even have what it takes to discern his presence. However, he chooses to manifest himself. You know, when it was time for God to manifest himself to Moses, the only work that Moses had to do was to walk along the right path. God was already waiting. God had already lighted up the burning bush, you know, the bush with fire. He's already created the wonder that will get Moses' attention. All Moses had to do was just to walk by that path and then look. And then when Moses saw it, he said, what is this wonder? What is this strange thing? The fire is burning and the, and, the, and the plant is not consumed. He said, I will turn aside and see what is wonder is it is god who's always been seeking for us looking for us looking for people who will carry his heart and carry his name looking for a people who will you know set aside their own needs set aside their own inclinations and perspectives and opinions and mindsets and culture and traditions and say god i'm ready for you i'm ready for you and this transaction is a transaction of the heart I want to shift from where I am to where you are. I want to follow you. I want to yield to you. I want to obey you. So he said, the hour comes. Now is when true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father does what? Seeketh such to worship him. It's the Father that is doing the seeking. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's the Father that is reaching out and saying, I want a people. I want a people who can hear my heart. And you know, this, this scripture is so interesting. This passage is so interesting every time I read it. Because it's so packed with the heart of God. When you read it, you really literally see clearly what the heart of God is. And how Jesus was able to, able to take that woman from just a woman meeting a stranger at the well. 
and transport him within the space of his conversation to someone who is passionate about God. There was so much of spiritual activity that happened in that conversation. You see the unloading of the heart of God very strongly. God calibrating her heart, removing her previous perspective. You know, when we began to talk, the first thing he said, well, how can you, a Jew, ask of me a Samaritan water? That's the mindset. That's the culture. That's something she was made of. That's the background. That's her experience. Jews don't have anything to do with Samaritan. There is no fellowship. And God broke that barrier straight away. Say, so if you know the person who is asking you for a drink, you would have asked, and he would have done what he would have given you living water. God broke cultural barrier, broke racism, broke discrimination. There was so much spiritual activity happening in that simple conversation. You know, and God, God, God came to her in a very vulnerable state. It's, it's, it's amazing. The one who has the living water came to her and said, give me a drink. Such an interesting position. Am I making sense? Can you see what I'm saying? The one who has living water came to, him, came to her and said, please give me a drink. And the woman realized that she was in a position of power. She, that was how he responded. How can you, a Jew, be asking me, a Samaritan, to give you water to drink? You know, because Jews and Samaritans don't have dealings together. And then Jesus reached and broke that barrier and said, if you know the person who is asking you for water, you would have asked him and he would have given you what? Living water. It was God seeking her out. It was God trying to pull her out of, you know, her prejudice. Trying to pull her out of the culture and the tradition that has limited her. That has served as barrier for her to reach out to God. You know, and if you look at, she had a God. She served God based on the knowledge that she had. Because she said it. She said, our father worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews said that it is Jerusalem that, you know. So he knew the customs of worship based on where she came from. Am I making sense? She knew. She's aware of it. She's not a frivolous, you know, she's not somebody who is completely secular. She knew, said, our father worshipped on this mountain, but you, um, Jews said that we should worship in Jerusalem. And then Jesus answered, broke another barrier and said, the hour has come and now is that. What? Those who seek God. Neither in this mountain or where? Or in Jerusalem. And he said, and then Jesus dropped the bomb. He said, you worship what you do not know. You worship what we do. And that's the position of many Christians. They worship what they do not know. They are religious. You know, they, they, they are faithful to the customs of the religion. Go to church Sunday morning, they are here. They are in church. Um, they do Bible study on Tuesday. Do prayer meeting on Wednesday. Do vigil on Friday. There is the customs of religious worship. But there is no idea of who God is. No idea. No idea. So you worship that which you do not know. And the reason why he said that is the next verse. He said that, but we worship what we do know because salvation is what? It's of the Jews. So the real 
evidence of true worship that is based on the knowledge of God is salvation. You are going to be experiencing an increasing measure of salvation. Your soul being saved. You can't be truly worshipping God and there is no internal transformation. Worship is not happening. If internal transformation is happening, then what? Worship is happening. Because worship is not singing slow songs. <laughs> Praise God. I mean, gathering together and corporate worship is so prophetic and it's so spiritual. I mean, Psalm 149 says, you know, uh, can you give me Psalm 149? It's a very, very prophetic scripture that talks about prophetic worship. Psalm 149. I just want to emphasize, uh, yeah, the important, praise you the Lord, sing unto the Lord a new song in his and his praise in the congregation of the saints. Next verse. Say, let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Next verse. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praise unto him with the timbrel and the harp. Next verse. For the Lord taketh pleasure in what? In his people. He will do what? Beautify the meek with salvation. The Lord takes pleasure when his people praise him. And that is why the time of corporate worship like we just experienced is a very holy time. It's a very what? Holy time. It's a time where our attention, our devotion should be completely on God. Our focus, our gaze should be Him. It's a holy time because the Lord takes pleasure in the praise of His people. He takes pleasure in that spiritual form of worship when we are pouring our heart to him when we are acknowledging him as our god you know and when we are singing of his glorious presence and of his image and then making a decision or making a commitment and say god i give you my heart god hears my worship god i lay down my pride you know making um, repenting you know turning away from my evil ways asking god for grace to walk in righteousness and truth god takes pleasure in all that and those are the things that should be happening. You know, I pray that we never get to a place where worship is just routine. Where you are just singing the songs from your head and it's not coming from your heart. Praise God. There has to be a deliberateness to it. Because it's a most holy time. We are responding to the call of the Spirit. Respond to the call of the Spirit. Uh, I don't know whether it's the same verse where... You know, um, let, let's see verse, verse 5. Let me see. There's another scripture. Yes, let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Next verse. Let the high praises of God, what? Be in their mouth and two-headed sword in their hand. This is worship. This is corporate worship. It's a time of judgment. It's a time of praise. It's a time where we lift up and magnify the name of the Lord. And as he is lifted up, he releases his judgment and his wisdom and counsel upon the earth. He said, let the high praise of God be in their mouth and two-edged sword in their hand. Next verse. What do they do with it? To execute vengeance upon the earth and punishments upon the people. Next verse. To bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. Next verse. To execute upon them the judgment written. This honor does what? All what? Who are the saints of God? Who are the saints of God? You and I. 
saints don't are not those who are dead and in heaven it's us here praise ye the lord that's the last verse right this is what happens when there is corporate worship so it is not a trivial thing at all it is not it is not a trivial thing it is not a frivolous thing it is not something we should be familiar with and may the lord help our hearts that every time we approach it we approach it with reverence with humility with love and say the lord has called us to partnership he has called us to worship he has called us to engage with him he has called us to a transaction you know hallelujah so let's go back to john chapter 4 and you know i said that because i am um, even though we know that worship goes beyond you know what we do in the corporate sense but corporate worship is also very spiritual very prophetic and very much in the mind of god hallelujah so let's go back to john chapter 4 was saying that the lord was so the lord was bringing this woman out of all the prejudices the things that has you know formed and calibrated her heart to have a certain image of God. A very wrong image of God. A very wrong perception of God. There are some people today, their knowledge of God is their denominational knowledge. Amen. Their experience of God is based on whatever the denomination believe. There are some, their experience and knowledge of God is based on their culture. Their understanding of the spirit realm is based on there are a lot of things we, we believe. <laughs> Some people to till today they can't stay alone in the room because when they were small, they watched Arelu and Aya Kamara. <laughs> How many people have ever seen? I'm sure if you have ever seen a demon before, raise up your hand. But the mindset, the projections of those images that scare us in the night came from the things, cultural things we exposed ourselves to. The same thing with God. Some people, their own description of God is a white man in a bada with white hair. That's all their representation of God every single time. If they must have a vision where God speaks to them, if God doesn't come in that image, they will not listen. Culture, traditions that limit the expression and the manifestation of God. And that's therefore limited worship. Limited the way we relate. Limited us and stopped us from reaching out into the true spiritual where God really is and where he really dwells. Am I making sense this morning? And God has to strip us of all those things, all those inclinations. Just like he did with this woman at the well. So you worship what you don't know. And there can't be worship, true worship, when there is no knowledge of God. When there is no heart that yearns for God, there can't be true worship. There can't be worship when there is no heart that says, I want to put God first. There can't be worship when there is no heart that says, your will be done, not mine. Hallelujah. So verse 24 says that, verse 23 and 24 that we read, said, but the hour comes and now we went through worshippers of God. Uh, sorry, go back. When true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeks such to worship him. Next verse now says that what? 
God is a spirit. You know, every time I, I read this, this verse, I really question that. What is it that God wants us to understand about this verse? Say, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Why did he have to, you know, bring the identity of God into it? In order to, you know, in order to show and emphasize what true worship is. Say, God is a spirit. God is a spirit. God is a spirit. And the more I meditate about that, the more, the more, you know, I see God for really who he is. God is a spirit. He's not cultural. God is a spirit. He's not traditional. God is a spirit. They say he's Asian, but he's more than Asian. He's eternal. He's timeless. He precedes all the systems and the culture and the knowledge and the everything. He precedes precedes them all. He is God all by himself. And for us to be able to worship him truly, we have to trust him. Trust the Holy Spirit to help us to reach out to him as he is. We have to trust God to strip us of all the things, the perspectives and the mindsets that we have that have boxed God to a, to a corner. Am I making sense? God has to help us. See, God wants those who worship him to worship him in spirit and in what? And in truth. Truth is God's reality. Truth is what? Truth is what? It is not your reality. It is not my reality. Truth is God's reality. And there has to be an acceptance of that reality of God for worship to actually happen. That means I believe and I accept who God is and I also accept who God says I am. It's both ways. Am I making sense? I accept who God is and I also do what? I accept who God says Because if there is no acceptance, there can't be fellowship. There can't be agreement. And scripture says, can two walk together except they what? Except they agree. And the agreement is not just lip service. It has to be a shifting of the heart. It has to be us saying, okay, this my position is wrong. I, I, I have to move to God's position. I have to, I have to, I have to disbelieve what I see what people say I am or what I think I am and then see myself in the image of God and see that I am I am more than what the natural says I am a spiritual being you know sent into time that I may bring glory to God I am an expression of God's image I am the manifestation of his grace and glory I am full of his life I am who God says I am I am not limited by my environment. I'm not limited by my lineage. I'm not limited by, you know, my background. And the things that are around me now, they are not, they are not the expressions of what my future will be. My future is God. My future is God's glory. My future is God's will. My identity is God. My yesterday, today, and tomorrow is God. Then alignment is happening. A shifting of ground is happening. And that we are identifying and say. God is my identity. Worship is 
how God puts his identity and his mark on his people. You know, when God was introducing the Israelites into the art and the life and culture of worship, he was bringing his symbols, he was bringing his, you know, his spiritual elements and all that, and he was marking them. The essence of the laws that he was giving them was so that he can calibrate and, you know, carve out, out of the world for himself a people with a certain pedigree with a certain mindset, with a certain culture that is born from the commandments of God. And that's why even to the very culture of cleanliness that the Israelites were observing was born out of commandments. That was worship. As in God wanted to be in every sphere of their lives, even the ordinances of cleanliness, God had to give them commandments for it. Because he wanted them to be what? To be marked for him and for him alone. And when he wanted to start introducing them to the supernatural and to the spiritual, you know, he gave Moses, you know, the commandment to build a tabernacle. And when you look at the pattern of the tabernacle and the purpose behind it, what was God saying? God said, I want to dwell with the people. He said, build me a sanctuary, Exodus, so that I can do what? Dwell with these people. God was looking for fellowship. He was looking for partnership. He was looking for a people that we call his name. He was looking for a people that would belong to him. Completely separate and set apart from the world. Because the world have their own gods. Hallelujah. So the issue of worship is not a lip service thing. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? It is not the thing of lip service. It is a thing of identity. It's a thing of whose side are you on? And those who identify with the Lord come under the spiritual atmosphere of the Lord. And by that interaction, by that relationship, they draw power, they draw the presence of God, they draw the glory of God on the earth to establish his counsel and his judgment. You know, we read in, in, you know, in that Psalm 147, it said to execute judge, the righteous judgment upon the nations. The end goal of worship is not just personal. It's not that we have a nice and good relationship in my own little corner. No. When worship is done properly, when we are worshiping God properly, the effect and the result is global, is territorial. And it's generational. It's not limited with us. It doesn't end with us. We are going to see in a few scriptures. It is not personal. It is not limited. It is not little. The consequences is eternal and it's generational. Whenever, we, when, whenever God finds a people that are aligned to his will, that are beating his heart, the commitment, the covenant, everything ties to transgenerational movement and manifestation of God. That's what we had with Moses and that same experience from generation. It is the reason why God had the moral and the legal authority to punish Israel whenever they went astray. Because some people somewhere had caught a covenant that was eternal. So a generation cannot just arise and say, who is God? Generation of Israel and say, who is God? Well, we don't know our father. God will deal with you. You don't know you don't know what your fathers did to get you here. You don't know the purgings and the washings and the sacrifices 
that have gone on for years so that there can be a breed that at least has a resemblance of purity. So God brings the king whenever they want to go astray and whenever they want to go rebellious. I said, I will not let you spoil what I've been trying to arrange from generations past. So worship is very consequential. Our children will bear the image that we're creating and their children and children after them. So we have to do it right. We have to do it right. It is not personal. It is not limited. It is very, very consequential. Hallelujah. I said there that at any point in time, I'm either a true worshiper or an idol worshiper. And I can choose who I want to serve. I can. You are either an idol worshiper or you are either a true worshiper. And there are many Christians who are idol worshippers. Their concept of God is even an idol. You know, in Yoruba we say, The whole idea of approaching the Orisha is you want something. So if that Orisha is not working for you, you go to the one that works for you. That's the way some people approach God. Is that genie in the, you know, in the lamp that you went, once you rub, comes out and then it makes a wish and then you make a wish. That's not true worship. That's idol worship. True worship is when God is the one saying, this is my will. And you say, yes, Lord, I'll do it. That's when that's true worship. Am I making sense this morning? And I pray the Lord helps our heart. Let's read Joshua chapter 24 very quickly. Time has really, really gone. Wow. Joshua 24, verse, um, let's read from verse 14 to 17. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Does this sound like in spirit and in truth? Does this sound like spirit and in truth? Serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the what? The gods which your father served on the earth. You know, can you see that interaction that Jesus had with that woman here? God wanted to bring her into true worship. So he was knocking out all the things she's had. All the things she, the things that made her have five husbands. And she's made choices. Some people say they are serving God, but when you see the work of their hands and that wickedness sits side by side, a sense of devotion. Have, have you met people like that? They don't joke with going to church, but when it's time to be very vindictive, <laughs> and that thing sits very comfortably in their heart, they are unforgiving. Their own is the old, their own God is the God of the Old Testament. <laughs> you do this to me, I, I reply you with this. Amen. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the floor and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. Next verse. And if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will what? So there are two important things in here. The first is that you can choose who you will serve. You can. The decision is with you to choose who you will serve. And you can make that choice on a daily basis. And there are many things competing for our attention. How many of us know that? Many, many things. You can choose to serve God or you can choose to serve your work. 
You can choose to serve God or you can choose to serve your family. You can choose to serve your God or you can choose to serve maybe a new gadget or something or social media or anything. There are so many things, so many gods. But you have the power to choose. You have the power to choose. God has given you the power to do what? To choose. So if you are not you know, choosing right, then begin. you can choose. So you begin to choose right. Don't wait until something happens. You choose to serve God. You choose to follow God. You choose to put God first. Am I making sense? The next thing here is that there is God in every, there is a God in every land. And by that, I don't only mean territorial, geographical, physical land. I also mean in every experience. There is a God in the U.S. that makes Christians to become less of a Christian, and then if you are not, they are not careful. Ultimately, there is no God, John. There is a God there. There is a God of this age. There is a Gen Z God. There is a millennial God. All those things packaged based on the experience, the trends, and the things that are happening, the norms. There is an intellectual God. It's it's the God of the Amorite in whose land you dwell. There is a way people who associate with this kind of thing behave. There is a thing that that, that there are things that they cherish. There are things that they prioritize. There is a manner of life that they have. And God said, you dwell in that land. You are in that space. You are in that territory. But you don't have to worship their gods. Because even though they say they don't have God and they don't believe in God, there are certain things that are God to them. There are some people, science is their God. Intellect is their God. Am I making sense? There is a God in every land. No, you enter some places... The, the, the custom there is anti-Christian. That is the God that is ruling them. You know, when you enter Lagos, if you've not been to Lagos, when you enter Lagos, there is a hustling spirit in this Lagos. Just hustle from morning to night. Just be hustling. Even your dream, you're hustling. Even your dream. I must hammer. I must make it. I must. People are ready to do anything. As a God of this world. But God is saying, choose. And the funniest thing that the God of that land, and I'm, I'm, I'm not talking physical and I've explained that before, has a way of life that everybody must conform to if they want to be successful. And the fact that you exist within that land immediately puts you in conflict with the norm and the culture of that land. Am I making sense? I, I want you to get me. Am I making sense? You know, th- there is a way that success is defined by certain people, by certain places, in certain places, in certain mindsets. You know, for example, in Lagos now, look at the housing and bustling. You have to wake up 4 a.m., you know, to go to work and all that. And before you know it, you are getting back 10 p.m., 11 p.m. That, if you are not careful, that will be your life. There will be nothing else that you can devote attention to. That God demands your absolute loyalty for your work. He doesn't even allow you to have time for family. 
or for marriage or for children or for even though you have all those things around you you are literally living in isolation that is the demand that's the sacrificial demand of that god and there are many people who in wanting to become successful are not holding back am i making sense am i making sense so but god is saying they should defy the god of the land defy it and say that God comes first. If what it means is that I can't take a particular job or if what it means is that I have to trust God for grace to put God first in spite of this job. Am I making sense? That is how you are walking in defiance to the God of that land. Because what the, those gods are really after it's not your money. It's not your. It's, it's your heart they are really after. The things of this world. It's your heart. Devil doesn't mind making you a billionaire tomorrow if he's assured of your heart. Money is not the issue. Amen. Devil will even bless you. He offered Jesus the riches of this world, didn't he? Took him to a very high mountain and showed him the glory of the world and said that all this will I give to you. If you would just bow down and, and worship me. You know, and we are also being offered that every day. Every day we have to make a choice. Every day we have to say, God, I choose you. I choose the way of the Lord. I choose the path of the Lord. I choose the path of the Spirit. I say, no. I shut down this opportunity because it is not an opportunity of the Spirit. This opportunity is good, but you take my soul. I don't want it. I don't want what the Lord doesn't give me. That's how we make those choices every day. That's how we defy these gods of the land every single day. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? So there are gods in all the lands and they are also competing and demanding our worship. Hallelujah. But God is also demanding our worship. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 to 9. I don't know whether I'll be able to finish this. And I told my wife this will not be a two-part message. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm just she's happy right now. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is what? You see, this doesn't just mean that he has an identity of one. It means that. But it also means that his standard is the same. It doesn't change. See, the demands of God doesn't change. You know, we, we, we always want to think the demands of God change. It's the reason why we compromise. How God understands. He, yeah, he knows that it's not easy. So if only I can do this, oh, oh no, no, I understand. No. Those standards, those commandments cannot be compromised. Am I making sense? It is the enemy that offers you alternatives. That's why this concept of uh, there are three phases of there are three dimensions of God's will. I have a problem with that. You know, there's a good will, there's the acceptable will, there's a perfect will. No, that's just the will of God. That scripture is saying that whatever is good is acceptable and perfect will of God is qualifying the same will of God. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? The Lord your God is one. He's one Lord. 
his standards are unchanging this the, the, you know the things he has set are eternal they cannot be compromised next verse and thou shalt love the lord thy god with what all thine heart That's such a powerful scripture and with all thy soul and with all their mind you know i don't have time to really really break this down today maybe maybe next week hallelujah so thou shalt love the lord of god go back to that verse five please with what with all of thy heart everything everything with all of them it means that when the lord looks at our heart what he finds is that he is topmost there it means that god is number one and this is not an easy thing to do i mean we can't even achieve this by the arm of the flesh it's something we have to trust the holy spirit to because sometimes we don't even know our hearts am i making sense you don't even know your heart it's the only spirit that can really reveal to you what is really re- there are a lot of things that they are in our heart they are they, you know they are masquerading as something else and god has to unveil those things with the lights of his truth and then when he shines the light in our hearts oh god this is there father i repent i make adjustment i make adjustment god this this passion is there is actually there's something that is pushing it is not the true pure genuine love of god it is maybe the love to be seen or you know maybe it's my pride you know or maybe it's the i love being praised by men i love being commended you know or maybe or some some others i don't for some someone like me I used to say that one reason why I work very hard at my work is I don't like people rebuking me. <laughs> I don't like having to face somebody. And it was and it's pride. You know, especially somebody, you know, sometimes you have boys that are even younger than you. And the person is misbehaving and talking <laughs> and nonsense. nonsense. How can you be talking to him like this? Praise God. The Lord had to you know, eschew all those things and flush them out of our hearts. And then the real, he will now plant the, the seeds of his own desires in our hearts. Such that the only thing that, you know, beats in our hearts every day is, this. then he now becomes our motivation. Sometimes it is the fear of man that motivates us. The day the Lord showed me the fear of man as a reason for some of the motivations that I have, it was a great showing you it was a great deliverance amen when God delivers you from the fear of man if you are not careful you will be completely disorderly because you are not doing anything for anybody anymore so you now have to work really hard to make God your motivation because being motivated by the fear of man is actually easier it's very easy just to camouflage and do this and do this and then ah, pastor praises you say oh fantastic fantastic you are doing well you are doing you know what stuff. but when you realize that when god wants to deliver you from the fear of man he first of all brings some serious process serious process where you literally become the villain and if you are not careful rebellion will set in your heart and then you don't want to be submitted anymore See, I don't, I don't want to submit to any man. You, you, you run to the other side, to the other extreme. But when God really strips us of the fear of man, huh, then 
that motivation now rises to the level it ought to rise because now you are seeing God as the reason for doing everything you're doing. Am I making sense? Thou shalt love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your will, your mind and your emotions. Everything. There, there are still a lot of things we still love in our soul that is not yet the Lord. There are still a lot of things still occupying places in our soul. You know, there are, you know, the scriptures in my father's house, there are many mansions. In our soul, there are many altars and mansions too. This one mansion is mansion of, uh, this one is the altar of uh, loss of the eyes. <laughs> this one is the altar of uh, the religious thing. This one is the altar of uh, money. I love, I love money. This one's several things competing. And all of them demanding attention and demanding worship, demanding obeisance, motivating us, fueling us, releasing passion and power and fueling our pursuits. But God wants to drain out all that energy and remove all those altars, remove all those idols and then fill us with himself. Fill us with himself and thou shalt love the Lord with all thy might. You know, this means that the submission of our labor. By the time we put the whole submission of our labor, it is for the advancement of the will of God. You know, there are people toil for many different reasons. People toil to have money. People toil to have a good name. People toil to... You know, when people talk about the things that that, that pertains to inheritance in their lives, there are things that they have toiled for. When somebody, when a parent is telling you, you want to spoil my name? That is something he has toiled for for years, for decades. He has built up a reputation. That is the summation of his strength. That is his image. He doesn't mind casting that child out. To him, that name, that image is more important than that child. It doesn't matter the amount of money he spent on that child. That is his might. That is his strength. He said, thou shalt love the Lord with all thy might. It means that nothing is too much to sacrifice and put on the altar for the sake of the kingdom. There is a call to worship this morning. God is calling us to worship. God is calling us to his ways. God is calling us to say, come, come, out, of, come out of the customs that hold you back. And those customs can be very quite ancient and even modern. They are modern customs. You know, civilization is removing us from the traditional Yoruba culture, but we're entering into new customs and new mindsets. You know, and those customs are just, they are just designed to exclude God. You know, I met, I met someone one day who was saying that, I don't believe in the God of the Bible. In fact, I'm more interested in, in, in the God of the land in our... I don't, I don't know that this thing even manifests like this now. I, so, I, I thought, you know, when you are being modern, you are, you know, you are the new generation. You, you don't want to have anything to. I, you don't want to have anything to do. On, it was in, it was in when I went to Calabar. His name is um, Ivan Miller. He's even a white man. He's stayed in Calabar for. He's an historian. He's stayed in Calabar for a very long time. You know, I, I can imagine you come from civilization. You are now talking about Ogun and Amadiwa and. And he was making a case to me. We had a, we had a debate, sort of an argument, making a case to me. But that if he feels that the white God, the white Christians, you know, was the one that neutralized 
the culture and the custom of integrity and because if the white Christian, you know, the, the white God talks about forgiveness and all that, but if people were swearing by Amadio and Ugu and all those things that, you know, and I said, so I took him through history lane. I said, but do you know why people chose that Christian God? Did you know why? Let's just, let's talk culture. Do you know why they chose those Christian God? I said, because the traditional people and their God were using those traditional customs to lord it over the people. Both the king and the house of the priests. It was a system of oppression. There was no God there. There was devil. The king can look at you and look at your wife and take it. There was no human right. The king is the human right. <laughs> you don't exist where the, the gods come to there and say, we want your family, your land, your everything. The chief priest will just collect everything. And the people saw a God. But let's even leave the supernatural aside because if I talk to the supernatural about this, this man, he won't believe the supernatural. He was. So, but let's even leave that aside. I, we can even make a scientific case for this. All this nonsense you are saying is nonsense. Have you, have you been, you said you stayed how many years in Calabar? You said 25 years. Have you been to any shrine where the, somebody swore by Madra and he fell dead? Uh, okay, I said, then if those gods were really, really powerful, the white people that came with Dane guns, why didn't the God manifest themselves now with all the power and all this, this spiritual voodooism that you are talking about? Both the chief priests and the people fled before it just Dane guns. The guy was shocked. He kept quiet for a long time. I was like, well, actually, you have a point. I said, of course, I do. You know, but so, but you see people in, you know, you are you are you are civilized. There's a foolishness of civilization that takes you backwards, not taking you forward. But God is calling us out of those things. God is not modern, He's not ancient, He's eternal. You know, when scripture says it's the ancient of days, it's God is trying to say that before days even began, God is. And this morning, I feel God is calling us to the place of worship and place where we say, God, I want you to have my heart. I want you to have my heart. I want to go on that journey that this that woman at the well went through and you broke through all her barriers and you reached out to her and then out of that same heart that has had so many conflicts of life came worship, came passion for the Lord. And she couldn't hold back. She began to tell people. She said, come and see this man. Who stood. She, didn't, she didn't even feel condemnation. She didn't feel condemnation. She felt delivered. She felt released. She felt life. Suddenly she felt that her life had meaning. She said, I've met a man who's told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the savior? Could this be the Messiah? She felt she was connected to something bigger than her life. She saw herself in the agenda and the determinate counsel of God. And she wanted to tell everyone who would care to listen that there is something bigger about my life than my experience. There is something about the agenda of God. There is something about the will of God that has a place for me. And my life is to worship and give Him praise. Let's stand to our feet this morning. And say, Father... Help me find my place in you. That place you have prepared for me. 
where all of mine will be yours. All of my heart, all of my will, everything I have, everything I own will be yours. I give it to you this morning. Dead flowers, abaya konande. Odo la base pretele bise fretinga. Odo manane shila prekitele baso solanda. Hado ya prakatele bise fretos. Just take a minute to pray. Just take a minute to pray. Petilo gaga. How to vrasho baba baba la baso pora balabaya. Haya krusto vila haya didiha. Haya damano shele bala kataba. Haya dalabaso pakelele prekedele boshata. Haya la manto la bela prosofila la basheke Hai kopele belele ba shetelele ba setia ba e payalo sofretelele ba sotore de ba e katala la ba shepete de de ba he le preson vila la mana ma shata i am in need of you o god i need living water I am in need of you, O God. I want to worship you in spirit and in truth, O God. Can we just pray? I want us to pray. I want you to continue praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Ranana shaka seriamo salabalabalaba shataya kesia Ramananama shakaria laba. Take your eyes off yourself. Take your eyes off whatever it is that you're going through, and focus on the one who makes all the meaning. Who makes who makes your life count? Who makes your life have meaning? In Him you move, you live, and you have your being. I want you to focus on Him this morning and say, Father, take over my desires, take over my heart. Take over my desires. Sweep away the refuge of lies in the name of Lord Jesus. Come for me. You seek those who worship you in spirit and in truth. I am helpless without you. I'm laying it all down. And I'm saying, come for me, Lord. Come for my heart. I am I am surrendered. I surrender to you by an act of my will. I surrender to you. And I'm asking you to take over, Lord. I'm asking you to help in the name of Jesus. E na 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 makosha karia kadasa e manana mashate bodo diabota this is a time of encounter this is a time of encounter don't just be there waiting for the for the thing to round up we are praying we are touching god we are responding to god we are asking god to take over our desires we want to love the lord our god with the whole of our hearts with the whole of our minds we don't want to be a religious people we don't want to come to church because that's what people do on, on sunday morning we want to be a generation that worship him in spirit and in truth in the name of Jesus, Makoria Tosa, Egarodalalaba Shakaria Casedia, Orabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabalabal
people who are responding to the cry of the spirit you know pastor dami said something that every god has a lifestyle that it demands of of us and, the, and another way I put that is priorities. If you want to know your idol, just look at your priority. Why are you doing what you are doing? Why are you doing what you are doing? What are your priorities in life? I want us to pray one prayer this morning and say, God, take over my desires. Take over my desires. Take over my desires. I want you to become my drunkenness. Like you became the passion of that woman. She had other passions men, companionship, you know, all kinds of things. She had all kinds of things going on. But when you came, Lord, and you gave her the water of life, you became her utmost desire. I want you to pray and ask God today, Lord, take over my desires. Take over my desires. Take over my heart. Take over my desires because this is the meaning of my life. This is the purpose of my life. This world is not going to give me meaning. Career is not going to give me meaning. A man or a woman is not going to give me meaning. Traveling abroad is not going to give me meaning. You are the meaning of life. You are the water of life. You are the river of life. You are the only one who satisfies. Take over my desires, Lord. Take over my desires, Lord. Take over my desires, Lord. I choose you. Take over my desires.
the word says that a man can serve two masters. It's either he loves the one and hates the other. By an act of our will, we choose you. We choose to love you. We choose to serve you. We have heard your call. Choose this day whom you will serve. And we know that the God of this world is parading other options before us and saying that I will give you this thing if you can only bow down to me. But tonight we come, to this morning, we come in your grace and in your strength. And we are saying that thou shalt not worship any other God but God alone. You alone are our God, O oh God. What we are asking this morning is a stronger revelation of you. It's a stronger, a stronger revelation of you in our hearts so that we can respond to you, O oh God. We pray for grace for everyone who is listening this morning. That Lord, you will take over our desires. You will become our priority. Our life will be lived for you. Our choices, every moment of the day, will decide, will choose for you. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you for visiting us with strength this morning. We thank you because this strength is going with us into our lives, into our, our days, into our decisions. This strength of your presence is going with us. We ask that you continue to reveal yourself to us in fellowship with you throughout this week as we fellowship, as we read the scriptures, as we pray in our, in our walk everywhere we are lord that you reveal yourself to us and as you do that we'll turn and worship you we thank you father because as we look at you we are changed from one degree of glory to another we give you praise and glory mighty father in jesus mighty name we have prayed amen praise the lord amen i don't need to ask you i'm sure that you are blessed this morning you know i want us to um quickly give our offerings is anyone paying tight this morning? Is anyone paying tight? Okay, so let's bring out our offerings and let's just um, thank God um, for this morning. And as you're as you, as you going to be giving that offering this morning, what you're saying in your heart, you know, is...